The Chosen Families Project, where everybody is welcome. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Chosen Families Project. My name is Julian Ribello, and today, on this episode, I am discussing the Johnson family from New York. So, for this episode, I've recovered this photograph a few years ago, either in a secondhand store or from a photograph lot from eBay. I don't really remember. It's been a while. I've held on to this for a while. And when I first found this photograph, there was a ton of difficulties. Um, on the back of the photograph, it states, left is on the left of the photograph, it's Andrew Johnson and Mary. And on the right of the photograph, it's Oscar Johnson and Teresa. Or it's very shorthand. Now, there wasn't any other information on this. There was no location or anything of that manner. So I had a lot of trouble kind of piecing together the family because I had no location and Johnson's a very common surname. However, um, a trick that I've learned is on these photograph postcards, which is what the photograph of the two couples appeared on, you can actually date them by the stamp shapes which is like basically how the companies produce them. So I was able to date the photograph to a range of around 1904 to 1918. And with this information and with Mary's surname listed as Mary Leonard, I was actually able to locate the family. And through recent communication, I was actually able to locate a relative of the family. And as of now, I'm going to be able to send it back home. Here's the story of the Johnson family from Limestone, Catarius County, New York. I will start with the head of the household, which was Andrew Johnson Sr., and then describe his sons Oscar and Andrew's story, who are actually featured in the photograph, just to give some background. So, Andrew Johnson Sr. was born in Jönköping, Sweden, on the 18th of January, 1855, as Anders Johannesson, to parents Johannes Peterson and Anna Lisa Magnusdotter. His parents lived in Sweden their whole lives, but I could not find a formal birth record to substantiate this from Jankoping. He emigrated from Sweden sometime in the early to mid-1870s, according to some of the census records. I was trying to piece together all the information across multiple family trees, as well as using some external research on my own to kind of provide a fuller background. So I was able, there's a couple missing pieces here and there that I don't see as sufficient without records, but I based it off of what these family trees gave me that I found suffice. So he emigrated from Sweden sometime in the early to mid-1870s, according to his census records, because there is a census record that someone had listed from the 1880 census, but I didn't. it said Mike Johnson, so I, and Johnson's such a common name that I didn't feel it fit. I cannot locate the arrival or his like naturalization paperwork from Kadarius County, and I actually looked through the family search catalog for the county with the surnames and it was listed in alphabetical order but it wasn't indexed so you couldn't search it so I had to manually go through it and I still didn't find it unfortunately but a lot of the Johnsons it appears who moved to Caderas, Caderagas County had actually been from Sweden. The relative did inform me however that he did come through Ellis Island where he changed his patronic name to Johnson. I've done some previous research, I believe, in Norway and Sweden, and in that area, they actually, what's really cool is they name the children based off of their parents' names, so that's where they have son and daughter at the end 
of their names because it means daughter of or son of based on the gender of either the male parent or the female parent. So you can kind of build out the sides of the family based on that type of information. However, so I also decided to look into his birth record because in that area of Jankoping, Sweden, and there is some, might be some pronunciation errors and I do apologize, I wasn't able to actually locate the true birth record from where this January 18th, 1855 date came from, but I did find his parents. And from what I saw from coming through a couple, there was like probably six to 12 different family trees I kind of put together to get all these different information and photographs. That way I didn't have to build a full family tree myself on this end because there was a lot of information already researched ahead of time. But I still found out that it looks like Johannes and uh, had remarried after his wife had died in the like around 1849 to Annalisa. But again, I could not find corroborating records for the birth aside from a marriage certificate I saw on someone's ancestry tree. And he, according to some records, he married Carrie Annette Brydenbaker, born the 2nd of March, 1862, in Ellicottville, New York, on the 4th of July, 1879. Now, the 1900 census indicates that the couple married in 1878, whereby he was naturalized. So what this kind of gives me, and every census kind of gives different context clues per person. So you can actually, some list their occupations, some list their parents' birthplaces, some list the amount of children they had. So, and when by the time they immigrated, they kind of had this full set of records from potentially from the 1880s up until when they passed in the earlier portion of the 20th century. So there is a lot of context clues I put together. And again, I actually couldn't find this this marriage record in particular for this date. I couldn't, you know, a lot of the family trees had saved others' family trees, so I couldn't locate the original record but I know they were married around 1878 and 1879, which makes sense based off of their children. Now, second census records from 1910 to 1920 indicate that he worked, uh, uh, Andrew worked as a farmer and oil producer. The family lived in Carleton and Limestone, New York, which is in Cadaragus County. And him and Carrie would end up having 10 children, with eight of them surviving, according to the 19 census 1910 census records. And I've used the 1910 census for my family tree as well because it's very important to kind of find those children that might have been born and passed away in between the census dates. And what's nice too is in New York, because my family's from New York, so I do a lot of research through there, there is a lot of in-between census records from 1905, 1915, 1925. So it kind of gives very specific points. And so so instead of having like a 10-year gap between certain defining points, you have these five-year gaps, which can make, which really aids in research. Unfortunately, and of course, probably one of the most important records that we all wish survived as genealogist is the 1890 census, which had burned in a fire. So there is around a 20-year gap between 1880 and 1900, which is how, you know, and it who knows what that census would have given us if it had survived or most of it had survived at all for a lot of our records, including mine. And 
likely the Johnson family as well. The eight Johnson children include Nettie Mae Johnson Loafer, born 1880 to 1958, Martha Ann Johnson Willis, 1889 to 1973, Oscar Johnson, who was born on the 8th of June, 1885, which is, and he's seen on the right in the photograph, which I have included in the blog itself, Robert Johnson, born 1887 to 1963, Andrew Johnson, born on the 17th of December, 1889, who is seen on the left in the photograph, Floyd Martin Johnson, born 1892 to 1978, Arthur Johnson, who was born 1894 to 1895, Fred Alfred Johnson, who was born 1896 to 1919, Hattie Leona Johnson Curtis, who was born 1898 to 1980, and finally, Pearl Johnson, who was born in 1900 and sadly passed away at two years old in 1902. And from what I saw in general, all the children appear to be born in limestone, and that's where, and what's nice about outside of New York records is you have a lot of thorough marriage records and you can actually see sometimes their ages and parents completely. Whereas in like Manhattan, Brooklyn, all the central part of New York, there is a lot of restrictions due to the health department, which can make research a bit of a headache. And I've experienced that a lot firsthand where I've had to order records. But I did have more information in this case because of a lot of the outside newspaper agencies and all that type of records, as well as a lot of pre-research done for me. Now, Andrew Johnson Sr. would pass away on the 14th of June, 1927. His, his obituary from the 16th of June, 1927, from the Times-Herald from Oli, New York, is shown below, but it's very poor quality, so I'm going to try to read it as best as I can, but bear with me because it is borderline unreadable. I tried to access the newspapers.com copy that that was connected to the family tree, and it was really hard to read. So just to do a little small little brief recap and summary of the obituary, since it is hard to read and I don't feel like kind of cutting through, it says that he was 72 years old, and for the past 46 years, he had been living in limestone, which makes sense based off the census records and when he immigrated, and it also lists what his widow as well as all of his children, which I mentioned earlier, and kind of where they live. And another interesting record that I saw attached to a family tree, also from the Times-Herald from Oli, New York, is from the 6th of March, 1937, and it's in Cadarigus County Deeds, which is, and wills and estates are something that I really want to delve into, and they can be really vital sources of information and also just kind of, you know, very good, I would say, I like, I'll call them tidbits of information for building a family tree and especially with all the children and with um, his wife still living at the time, you can kind of still, well, not when this article was published, he had passed in 1928, but it's still kind of interesting to see kind of how the property gets divided and stuff like that. And the article reads, Andrew Johnson, individually and as administrator with the will annexed of the estate of Andrew Johnson and Mary Johnson, his wife, Martha Willis, Hattie Curtis, Floyd Johnson and his wife, Robert Johnson and his wife, Nettie Leoffer, Oscar Johnson and his wife, being the sole heirs at law of Andrew Johnson and Carrie Johnson, to Albert Hutton and wife, one dollar or more, town of Carlton. 
So it's kind of interesting to see where the estate ends up, especially at this time. This is when both Andrew and Carrie have passed away. So I'm assuming this is a transfer of whatever property they had to this individual in the town that they lived at. Now, Carrie Johnson would pass away on the 23rd of March, 1928 in Limestone, New York. There are two obituaries for her, which I have included below from based off the family trees that I found. And these are of much, much higher quality, luckily. The first obituary is from the Times Herald on the 23rd of March, 1928. And the second obituary was published in the Post from uh, which was a newspaper located in Ellicottville, New York, on March 28, 1928. And I'd like to include both, even though they're two separate obituaries, because they are still very important documents, and their information might be different in regards to burial, funeral services, stuff like that. So the first obituary reads, Miss C.A. Johnson. Limestone, March 23rd. Miss Carrie Ann Johnson, 66 years old, of Limestone, died this morning at her home at 10 o'clock. She is the widow of the late Andrew J. Johnson. Miss Johnson was a member of the Limestone Methodist Episcopal Church and the Lady Macabs of Limestone. She is survived by three daughters, Miss F.P. Loeffer, Oline, Miss A.C. Willis, Rue P.A., Miss G.W. Curtis, Summit P.A., four sons, Oscar Johnson, Oline, Robert and Floyd Johnson, Limestone, Andrew Johnson, Bradford, and four brothers, Charles and Andrew Bidenbacker, Ellicottville, Fred and William Bidenbacker, Buffalo, one sister, Miss Harry Windsor, Ellicottville. Funeral services will be held from the home Monday afternoon at 1.30 o'clock and 2 o'clock from the Methodist Episcopal Church. Burial will be in limestone. So this obituary gives us a lot of information and a lot of where the children ended up moving up to, which is very important considering a lot of these children actually moved away from New York and into Pennsylvania, which is where I talk about later in the episode. Now, the second obituary reads, Miss Carrie Johnson dies at Limestone. Miss Carrie Ann Johnson, 66, died Friday at her home in Limestone. She was a widow of Andrew Johnson who died a year ago. Miss Johnson was a member of the Methodist Church and the Ladies of Maccabees of Limestone. She, she leaves four sons, Oscar of Oline, Robert and Floyd of Limestone, Andrew of Bradford, three daughters, Miss F.T. Loeffer, Oline, Miss A.C. Willis, Rue City, several, and several grandchildren. Also, three brothers, Charles Breidenbacker of Ellicottville, Fred F. Breidenbacker of Buffalo, Andrew Breidenbacker, and one sister, Miss Henry Windsor of Ellicottville. The funeral was held Monday afternoon at 1.30 o'clock from the home in Limestone, with further services in the Limestone Methodist Church at 2 o'clock. Reverend F.W. Bolender officiated. Burial was in the Limestone Cemetery. So although the obituaries are pretty similar, it still gives a lot of really useful, vital information for Carrie. And it's nice to know about her and her children's kind of lives and same with her siblings as well and that's important when building the family trees because knowing who people married you know sometimes when you just have a surname or the siblings can really kind of fill in some vital holes when building back generations to come as mentioned from these obituaries the couple was buried in limestone cemetery 
I also located some pictures of Andrew and Carrie, which I included below alongside their headstones. So from what I found, Carrie and Andrew are buried in a plot in limestone, so I included their Find a Grave Memorial. And whoever, you know, collaborated with the Find a Grave Memorial, I am I have to say is very awesome considering there's 10 children alongside a lot of Carrie's siblings, and they did a really good job. And I believe every single one of the siblings, their children, along with the siblings of Carrie, all have headstones and they're linked together, which sometimes find a grave is, I would say, not as reliable considering it's a user-generated field. And a lot of times I've had to go in and correct things. But from what I've seen, a lot a lot of heart went into making sure they had all the dates. They even sometimes, if you get lucky, will put other information or genealogical documents in there that might you might not find directly. So that's where I found some other vital records and census records that they included, which I'm very grateful for. And it appears some of their children are buried with them. And I believe, let me just see, based on what I have, it looks like Fred Alfred Johnson, who passed in 1919. So before both Andrew and Carrie passed, is buried in the plot as well. And then I also found a couple different photographs from different ancestry family trees that I decided to include, and I also included it on the cover of the podcast, of both Andrew and Carrie, because I think their photos are adorable. It says Andrew P. Johnson and Carrie Annette Breidenbacher on the one photograph, and it actually lists their full birth and death dates, which is really awesome, as well as a photograph of Andrew Johnson. And a, um, another was from the Breidenbacher family research, and it actually has this amazing portrait of the Breidenbachers, and it looks like all the siblings are all together. And in the front is Carrie, which is really cool to have considering it's also very high quality, and it's just cool to have large family portraits. I have one that has, I think, four or five generations in it, especially in my big Italian family. There was, they had like 10 kids, then around like seven, eight kids, and all their grandchildren. So it's really awesome to kind of have this, a lot of these records. And what I've noticed too is, Andrew has, I've seen with a couple different uh, middle names. So there's, I've seen J, I've also seen P. So it's little small details like that. Same with Carrie's, I see Annette. And so it's all this kind of information you have to piece together when doing genealogy research to really make a collective profile for the families. And when doing your research overall. I will be right back to tell the story of Andrew Johnson and his brother, Oscar Johnson sons of Andrew and Carrie Johnson. Hello, so now I'm back. So here is the story of Andrew Johnson Jr. and his wife, Mary Ellen Leonard. He would marry Mary on the 20th of October, 1912, according to marriage records from Salamanca, New York, Mary Leonard was from Bradford, PA, and was born in Farmersville, New York. Andrew was a tool dresser and was 22 years old when he married 18-year-old Mary. And according to his relative, he had, they had stated that he had a tool dressing business and possibly had served in World War I. 
Although I could not find any direct World War I records, and Johnson's a very common surname, and they also moved to Bradford, I did see a World War I and I believe a World War II draft card, but I did not find anything that he actually served, but it is a potential. And thanks to M. Sue from Findergrave for providing a copy of the marriage certificate where I was able to see this information, and it actually provides a key link to why the couple ended up living in Bradford for the rest of their lives in the first place, and that's because that's where Mary was from. Now, throughout their lives, they resided in Fostered, PA, according to some a lot of the census records, which is right near Bradford, and census records indicated that he worked at an oil refinery and a trucking business. Now, they had two children. One was named June, born 1916 to 2003, and Andrew Johnson III, born 1919 to 1994. Now, Mary Leonard would pass away on the 16th of May, 1953, from ovarian cancer, according to her death certificate at the young age of 57, and she would be buried on May 18th, 1953, in Oak Hill Cemetery in Bradford, Pennsylvania. And Andrew would pass away on November 17th, 1972, in Bradford, PA, and is buried alongside his wife in Oak Hill Cemetery, and included their memorial headstone down below. Now, the thing about Mary is I was able to figure out she died of ovarian cancer because of a death certificate that I found listed for her. And this is because Pennsylvania, up until around 1966, has this amazing collection of death certificates that are viewable. And that's one of my kind of favorite areas to research up until 1966, because you get to see all this different vital information and that certificates, especially from like New York City, a lot of them are indexed, but sometimes, you know, the index is wrong or it's unavailable. So having these copies of all these death records can really place a family together. And because Andrew Jr. had passed in 1972 in Pennsylvania, I checked the collection and it only goes up to 1966 unfortunately so I didn't see any record for him regarding his death certificate. Now here's the story of Oscar Johnson his brother and Julia Teresa Hartnett. He married Teresa on the 6th of June 1911 in only New York. Teresa was born on the 30th of April 1887 in Cadarigas County New York and to note, many families note her name is Julia Teresa, but her headstone and many of the census records list her as only Teresa. I'm not really sure where the Julia came in. It could be a flipped middle name. It could be how she was born. It could be just a certain, like another name that they had for her. I'm not really sure. A lot of the family trees had it, and I'm sure someone copied it from someone, and that's why it's all across the board with the family trees. But from what I've seen, based on my records, I see her name is Teresa in life. So I'm going to go using Teresa. And that's how she was shorthandedly listed next to Oscar on the photograph too. And when I do my family history research, notation is really important. I like to use their original names, but also make a note of their Americanized names. So like for when Anders... Johansson went to Ellis Island is changed his name to Andrew Johnson. That's an important fact because, you know, he might have, there might be name change records, which I've found once or twice before 
in newspapers where they've actually Americanized and completely changed their last names, or they just changed their last names with kind of no records existing just as an Americanized coming from a different country. So it's kind of really important to really note that, essentially. Now, Oscar, according to census records, worked as a railroad conductor and a railroad switchman. And this was all throughout his life. I believe every single one of the censuses noted in the beginning, the earlier censuses, like from 1900 and 1910, noted that he was a railroad conductor and then he worked as a switchman, which I believe is someone who kind of does the switching of the controls. I'm not too sure about that, but I do know what's really nice is there is indexes for a lot of things in genealogy, and a lot of families have families who or occupations where they're kind of obscure or not something we would traditionally refer to them as, especially 100 years down the line, because a lot of things have changed, you know, since then. So there is actually indexes to indicate what those are as well to delve further into it. Now, the couple lived in Olean, New York throughout their lives, and they would have three children. Lawrence, who was born in 1915 to 1959, Norman from 1916 to 1980, and Arthur Johnson from 1919 to 1999. Now, Oscar would pass away on the 27th of December 1955 at the age of 70, and Teresa would pass away on the 22nd of December in 1974 at the age of 87. And the couple is buried in St. Bonaventure Cemetery in Allegheny, Cadaragus County, New York, with their son Norman buried alongside them. Now, for either couple, I was trying to look for, like, his parents because they had obituaries. I was trying to find any other vital record or and when I do a lot of these, even if people have pre-researched family trees, I try to do a lot of my own research as a genealogist, and I could not find any obituaries. And Johnson is also a very common last name, so I could have just been looking in the wrong place. But I tried the basic dates and newspapers.com archives for both the couples, and so both Oscar, um, Andrew, and their two wives. And I did not locate any, unfortunately. But I'm sure their children might have some, depending on when they passed and all that type of stuff. But at the moment, I could not locate those vital records. I just like to include them as it tells a vital part of their story and kind of a little more intricate because, or intimate, I should say, because they really kind of delve a little deeper into the family life. And it also is just a great vital record to have to confirm dates and siblings and all that type of stuff. Now, I included... The uh, Oscar and Teresa's headstone, and as I mentioned previously, Norman is buried within the plot itself. Now, I have to say, I am so, so happy I can return this photograph of the couple to a closer relative, and they reached out to me pretty recently. We've been having a dialogue, I believe, on Family Search, which is kind of a platform I don't use to, well, I use it very often, but I don't really find relatives through there i primarily use ancestry but we had connected on family search i believe a couple of years ago and because of this project i remember having it in storage and i decided to reach out to the photo to the individual more recently and through some email dialogue i was able to actually communicate with them and they said yes i would be very interested there's not that many photos and they communicated to me that they, like me, are the family genealogist of their family. 
So it's it's really an awesome feeling to know that it's going to someone who's going to really take care of it and treasure it as someone who appreciates genealogy. And it's kind of, it's even to me, not if even if it's just going to a, a family member, it's just so special because you know it's going to be, or at least I know it's going to be in really good hands. And from what they told me based on their communication, these relatives or so how they how that kind of fits in is that their grandfather was the nephew and Anders or Andrew Johnson Sr. was their second great grandfather. So it's kind of really cool because even though it's not a direct relationship, it's close enough that they will still treasure the photograph, especially as it features not just Andrew and Oscar themselves, but it also features their wives, which I'm sure a lot of times, you know, it's very fortunate to have that identification on there. And with photo postcards too, it's kind of crazy because, you know, you don't have a photographer studio. So even if there's like, you know, even if with the first names or if it didn't have the last names, it would have been next to near impossible to probably locate the couple considering Johnson is such a common surname. And and same with, you know, Andrew and Mary, they're also pretty common names. But overall, I have to say I am so so grateful and as i mentioned previously i had to combine information from many family trees for this so i used a lot of i have to just i just want to thank everyone else who kind of collaborated on ancestry to build the separate family trees you know some family trees a lot of them kind of borrowed from each other so that's why i kind of when i do these when I do this project, I really look through kind of the pre-researched ones and then do my own research to kind of fill in the gaps and also kind of delve into those stories a little bit deeper to see if I can find an obituary that they, you know, that a researcher might have not found or stuff, anything like that. But anyways, if you have any questions about the project or related to this line of the Johnson family and want digital copies of the photograph, please reach out to me at thechosenfamiliesproject at gmail.com. I'm also looking for any guests to be on the podcast. I'm thinking about including people to talk about some of their family stories or other kind of different content, and which is something I want to explore this year. Now remember that you are loved and that you are always welcome here. Bye now.